welcome to the Hunting University Podcast, coming to you live from the Rocky Mountain Home Hunter Studios. I'm John Schultz. I'm Kelly Hutton. Leslie Reed. Why do we but always we, say live? Like We are currently is... live. <laughs> live to ourselves and none of our listeners. True. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do, do you want to go back? We, we no. can go back. No, no. I just wanted to have the discussion because it caught my ear today. It doesn't normally, but today it... it piqued my interest and i had to i had to bring it up (laughs) oh well played thank you oh wait that's a different podcast never mind it might be a different podcast but it doesn't matter it's still funny (laughs) anyway i guess it occurs to me very few podcasts are actually live that's any that is true that is true i think you could certainly do them live i right don't recommend it for us because we have a terrible time at keeping on track as this entire conversation shows but most people never don't really yeah. realize because i fix it all in post editing <laughs> like i said I have heard... your editing will never be easy indeed indeed so welcome everyone to haunting you i want to apologize terribly because as of today we are 17 days late in getting this podcast out on the street and because of my editing it's not going to happen any sooner than like two days from now so we're going to be 19 or 20 days late on this podcast but i promise you it was worth the wait we're street podcasters oh i thought we were higher class than that (laughs) (laughs) hey didn't we do the the office decorating episode where you were live from a park bench i was i was it wasn't even a park (laughs) bench i was sitting on the ground in a like two foot strip of shade because it was so freaking hot in san francisco no los angeles san pedro i think i was in san pedro you were in san somewhere that's yeah i think it was san pedro you were in california i was in california but yeah sitting on the ground in a two foot strip of shade getting funny looks from the people walking by it was a good time in fairness that would be that should be something you're used to yeah no comment uh but that just goes to show the kind of dedication we have here at haunting you to our craft um Like, for all of our listeners who don't know what any of us look like, if you see someone on the street that you just kind of give a couple of looks to and you're just like, I don't know about this one. This this, this person's up to something. That's what Kay looks like. I mean, anytime you guy. see someone on the, you know, sitting on the ground in public talking to themselves, I mean, what are you going <laughs> to think? <laughs> Certainly not that they're recording a podcast. <laughs> Let's be reasonable. That's true. That is not the first pop. <laughs> thought that pops into my head. I mean, it is now. Well, sure. Yeah, for us at least. But anyway, so I apologize for... we. So we've wanted to do this episode for, for several weeks now to talk about how to run Halloween in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. We talked a little bit in the last podcast about how we, as Sangamon Creek Estates, are talking about running our, our haunt in the midst of COVID. This episode, we really want to talk about how everybody else can do it today is july 17th let's take a look at how america's covid19 response is going i am looking at covidexitstrategy.org which is a fantastic website that is tracking the trends in every state and they color code color code all the states depending on how well they are trending based on the reports of hospitalizations and new new cases of covid and et cetera, et cetera. you can dig into their website if you want to see more about their their thought process but they break it down into four categories trending better 
Caution Warranted, which is fairly flat. Trending Poorly, Slight Uptick, or Uncontrolled Spread. As of today, the 17th of July... We've got it licked. We're not asking what the White House thinks. Yeah. (laughs) 18 states are showing an uncontrolled spread. That's not great. No, no, let's put it in perspective. That's slightly less than half of the country is doing as worst as they could possibly be doing. Yeah, so 18 have an uncontrolled spread. Another 18 are trending poorly. Where we are in Maryland, where where Sanguine Creek Estates is in Maryland, trending poorly. Colorado, trending poorly. Eight states are in the caution warranted, so relatively stable, uh, but measures are still needed in order to prevent uh, a poor trend. And what does that leave? What is 36 plus 8? We're f- <laughs> Well, 36 plus 8 is 44. No, I think Leslie's right. <laughs> I, I'm providing the answer without math. <laughs> For John. Thank you. I appreciate that. That is usually required. I was told there would be no math. I was wrong. Ten states are uh, <laughs> caution warranted. I forgot Alaska and Hawaii. You know, they, they hang out in a weird place on the map. And I needed to scroll down a little bit. And that leaves so, Maine, Vermont, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut that are trending better. So five states, 10% of the country is in a relatively good place. The other 90% uh, has a lot of work to do. Yay. We are less than, well, we're, at le- what, 107 days away from Halloween? And... I'm not optimistic. Is so, anyone else? <laughs> Kay, would nope. you say, I mean, obviously we're all going to die. Are you thinking <laughs> it's going to be 2020 or can we make it to 2021? I'm not sure I want to make any predictions Fair because enough. it depresses me. Jumping over to Johns Hopkins coronavirus tracking site real quick. Does that one just have to say we're f***? Because, I mean, not totally. Well, with, sh- but... with, with fancy maps. That's it. It says we're f***ed with fancy maps. Well, I really just wanted the total case counts, etc. U.S. case counts, 3.57 million. Total world counts, 13.8 million. Uh, U.S. deaths, just shy of 140,000. Global deaths, just shy of 600,000. Yeah, so... It's it's not great. It's It's not not great. great. I think as this continues into the fall, as regular... Respiratory infections start to tick up, the colds and the flus and all the usuals. On top of all of this, I see no way that Rehant is going to be able to run normally. So that leaves no. us with two options. Run in an abnormal way or close for the season. And as we've discussed, there are benefits to doing and considering both. Correct. Absolutely. For those who are considering closing for the season, I mean, it, it is completely your choice. You have to take a look at your finances and determine, does it make sense for you to open? Are you going to lose money? Are you going to lose a lot of money if you open? For us home haunters, it's less of a problem. It's more of a, are people going to actually come to your door if you, well, uh, and additionally, if you want to set up? Does your state or city or town, what are their restrictions as to whether or not you are even allowed to host absolutely, absolutely. a home haunt or a, and what levels and you're allowed to, to do. And unfortunately, we're not going to know probably until October what's going to be allowed because things are just changing so rapidly right now. 
And so that leads us with a problem. We have to, if we're going to do something, we have to plan. We have to do it now because we need time to execute. Or we just need to make the call now and decide not to do it and then go forth and start prepping for next year. So for those who want to open this year, and it is feasible for them to open this year, but they still want to take all of the precautions they can to make sure that uh, their guests are safe and they are limiting liability and blah, 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 all of that, this podcast is for you. We reached out to Mr. Spencer Terry, the general manager at Fear Factory Salt Lake City, because they were the first haunted house in the country, possibly in the world, they say in the world, I can't confirm that uh, through independent fact-checking, but they were the first haunted house in the country to open this year in the midst of a global pandemic. Fear Factory is one of the top Halloween attractions in the world, made up of six buildings up to six stories high with two underground passages and is a massive haunted attraction in Salt Lake City, Utah. With awards ranking them as number three in the world from BuzzFeed and top ten in the U.S. from USA Today and Travel Channel, Fear Factory has quickly grown to be one of Utah's and the world's favorite Halloween entertainment attractions. Its vastness requires a waiver to be signed prior to entry and opens each fall, plus periodically throughout the year, for special events. Home to over 11 documented historical deaths featured in movies and films, (laughs) boasts over 100 nightly live actors, and heavily awarded within the industry, it's a great place to bring family, friends, co-workers, and more for an evening of entertainment, thrills, and fun. You said historical deaths? Yes. In fact, if you go on their website, they have, like, news clippings from all of those deaths. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was, I missed the word historical for a second. You said deaths, then segued into, it's a great place to bring the family. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't hear hysterical deaths. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking. There you go. Haunted history. Yeah, they published a 30-page response plan that outlined all of the additional steps that they would take depending on how severe the uh, caseload is or how severe the restrictions they need based on all of the based on their local governments and put that into place and then they executed it at their halfway to halloween event uh, which is an event that they ran uh, back in may they tried it out to see how feasible it was to operate in this way and had really fantastic results So we brought Mr. Spencer Terry onto our podcast so he could talk about uh, the measures that they took and the uh, lessons that they learned, and he is here today to talk to us. So that's a pretty nice get, Kay. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I took a shot, and it landed. Never hurt to try. Took a wild shot, and it landed. Yeah, it worked out really nicely. On that note, the way that we got Mr. Terry, uh, he posted his response plan in Haunter's Hangout. I've said this multiple times. If you are not a member of Haunter's Hangout on Facebook, go ask to join the Haunter's Hangout on Facebook. This is how we got connected with him. He published uh, their response plan for everybody in Haunter's Hangout to see, and then we got to talking with him, and he agreed to come on the podcast. So highly recommend it. Go check out the Haunter's Hangout. And while you're at it, check out the Haunting You Facebook page at facebook.com slash haunting you so that you can keep up to date with all of our podcast news and our builds and everything else happening in the world of Haunting You. And John, if they wanted to follow us on Twitter because they like Twitter better than Facebook, where would they go? Uh, they would go to at Haunting Universe 1, which is at Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. You can find us there. Also, if you want a little more advice 
or a little more interest on what we're doing for our COVID hunt, you can find that on our previous episode. You can download those at Podbeam and also on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you like to get your podcasts, you can find us there now. Or just Google Hunting University Podcast and you'll find a good spot to get us. Exactly, exactly. So let's uh, bring Mr. Terry in and we will uh, and we'll chat with him for a while. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hooray. It works. My, that's uh, that's my awesome. laptop seems to not have had coffee this morning. I don't know what's going on with it. That's, <laughs> that's okay. okay. We, <laughs> yeah, we're we're struggling with some of the same. Good old tech. That's okay. Maybe it's like that weird magnetic pull thing that's happening. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. We're we're super excited to have you here. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks for the thanks for the request. I'm happy to help out any way I can. Yeah, I've got to be honest. This is the you are the first guest we've ever brought on here. Um, so no wow. pressure. Yeah, no pressure. I'll be fine. <laughs> Hang on. I, I, I need to spike my chai a little bit then if that's the case. <laughs> you oh, oh, that's you okay. You, you won't be the first one. No, definitely Perfect. not the first people to drink on the podcast at all. <laughs> yes, just to make sure I'm right. You were the general manager at Fear Factory, right? I am. Have any of you ever been? No, but after I'm looking not. at your website, oh my God, I want to. It is... Uh, Screw Disney. It's a magical place. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Can you tell us a little about it? Yeah. Um, goodness. Sheesh. Um, I don't. I, I assume we're not recording yet, but I'll give you uh, Actually, we are recording. Oh, we are recording. Perfect. No pressure. <laughs> That's a lie. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Fear Factory then. Sheesh. Um, Absolutely. So Fear Factory is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, we're a downtown operation. Uh, which means that we, you know, we're pretty limited in a lot of factors when it comes to parking, for example. Um, where we're not limited is our size. Uh, we, uh, our owners are, we're brilliant to be able to make a decision to purchase this massive six building facility. It's an old awesome. abandoned cement factory. It's got two underground passages and areas. I mean, the place just screams horror movie. You know, it's Ghost Adventures. Love it's it. one of their favorite places to come. They're shooting consistently and, and, Paranormal investigations are happening um, more often than anything else. So yeah, it's a it's an amazing place. We have uh, three rides. We have a zip line. We have a tower jump, and we have this kind of triple access fear sphere. Um, there's uh, we have over almost 300 staff. I mean, it's just this. It, it's a, it is a beautiful operation to watch for sure. That's awesome, and I'm super jealous. That's like everything that I want my haunt to be one day. <laughs> One day, it'll. You know, I I started off. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll talk about my history. But I started off as a home haunter as well, and it's just like. You know, one day we either take the red pill or the blue pill, and maybe we <laughs> digress, and maybe it becomes something that we want. Either way, it's great. So. Yeah, you want to talk about your histories that you kind of segued in there naturally? How'd you get started in in home haunting, and then how'd you make the transition to professional? Yeah, my uh, we can thank my father. Um, he, you know, at a very young age, I um, I wasn't really into the trick or treating thing, um, quite frankly, and it just wasn't my gig. And by I think seven or eight years old, um, I made a decision, and I was like, you know, screw this candy thing. I'm gonna hide in the bushes and scare people. And my dad, of course, watched me. Sounds and, familiar. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. All the home hunters, raise your hand, people. Raise your hand. <laughs> so, um, and so we, my dad, of course, I think cynically was probably sitting in the living room watching me thinking, this kid's probably got something, I need to figure this out. So the next year he built this coffin, um, and I wore this like super cheesy, and this is back in like 
early, early 80s. Um, and I wore this like super cheesy wolf mask, but um, at the time it was super expensive. It was like movie quality. Um, <laughs> that's air quotes since I think this is a podcast. And so um, it was uh, – who knew? And, and he you know, he made this, this cute little um, – uh, like a little gravestone that said Wolfman and then R.I.P. question mark and in parentheses <laughs> at the bottom it said no silver bullets and that was it it was downhill from there and um, and you know and, and I ended up opening my own attraction um, in Omaha for a nonprofit um, right outside of Omaha in Malvern, Iowa it's this beautiful farming community that I grew to love and we started a nonprofit there and they were like you know we want to do something where we can we can bring kids together and, and, you know, the youth don't really have a lot to do in this small town. What can we do? We pulled the kids and they were like, you know, you run this pretty, pretty kick-ass haunted house. I mean, I had this 1882 Italian Victorian mansion oh, in, the cool. middle, in the middle oh, of the That's amazing. It was, it's the sexiest Halloween. Just, it's just this beautiful, beautiful building. And um, I, I miss it daily, actually. And so the kids were like, you know, you do this home haunt. Why don't we go big or go home? And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're you're right. Like, why not? Like, let's do this. So, we did it. We um we utilized the nonprofit. We we ended up opening up a haunted house that became number one in Iowa for a few years, and we did a really great job. And when I left, we gave it to them for a dollar, and they ran it for a few more years before they just couldn't do it anymore. So, it was really fun. And that, of course, led me to Fear Factory. And um, you know, they opened in 2011, and uh, and um, by the time I came on property in 2015. They uh, had realized, it as, as the owners did, um, our, our owners are just, they're amazing humans. They love Halloween. They love the passion. They love the camaraderie that kind of, that, you know, you can build with a team, essentially doing the impossible, right? And um, and so, and they've been haunting, you know, our, our one of our owners, we have five owners and myself is the GM that are in meetings every single week. And we, um, one of our owners opened his first haunted house in 1969, and it was, you know, in Utah, if you were to Google the March of Dimes or anyone who lived in Utah knows this March of Dimes haunted house. Like, it's this beautiful, massive old abandoned factory um, or an old mill. That is essentially what they took on to be able to move into the Fear Factory. And so one of our other owners, you know, he grew up at this old haunted house. Um, and, you know, one of our it, – it, it's just cool to see how this has kind of spiraled, and they – they're they, these passionate people, but when it comes to business, they just, you know, they want to have fun. And unfortunately, running a haunt our size is not always fun. I mean, it's, you know, all all the home hunters that are out there that, that think, oh, I wanted this really cool haunted house one day. Let's go have coffee because I'm going to try and talk you out of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> running a haunt and running a business are two it, very, very different. Yeah, things. you're right. They right. are. You know, I, I've taught some seminars in the past about show business, and you can't have show without the business, and you can't have the business without the show. And and unfortunately, a lot of haunts try and do the show but not the business, and it really is hard. It really is. And so that's my job is to pretty much bring the business side into things, help the operation um, both financially um, from a PR perspective, from a, a culture perspective, and uh, to kind of help make sure that the boat's moving in the right direction. So, yeah, it's been a really great opportunity, and – and it's you know it's great for me. I'm not an owner, so I don't have to invest capital into things. Right? <laughs> um, but I get to still nice. I get to still do what I love. So it's a good awesome. it's a good pitch. Yeah, it occurs to me that uh, you don't know who you're talking to because uh, so. Hi, I'm Keone. We've, we're the ones who've been chatting on uh, via Facebook. Hi, Keone. Yeah. And then John and Les, you want to introduce yourselves? 
Reed sure. here. I'm John. Good to meet you, Spencer. Hi, John. Uh, I'm Leslie. Welcome. Welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you on here because truly having somebody with your experience level, both in terms of home haunting and professional haunting uh, for such a such a well-established um, company pro-haunt. And, and pro-haunt is, is huge. Absolutely. Well, thanks. I'm I'm always happy to. I, uh, I'm one of those people that I, I do my best to try and remember not to forget my roots, so which is great. And I assume you're all home haunters as well? Yeah, so Are you all like working together as one home haunt, or do you have home haunts throughout a state, or, or what's the story? So I'm in the Coast Guard, and that has put a serious dampening on my home haunting in general, because uh, I'm moving every two to three years. Yeah. But my goal is to transition to a pro haunt, hopefully about the same time that I'm getting out of the Coast Guard, like 10 years from now. So it's okay. so a long-term plan. Long-term planning. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's where we're trying to get to. Uh, I've been home haunting since middle school. Same thing after my like fifth grade year. I went to someone else's home haunts, and I was like, I could do better than this. So the next year I started. <laughs> and then over time, drug John in. Uh, he's been haunting with me since middle school. Leslie's been haunting with me since high school. A couple years ago, I was able to go back to Colorado. Uh, the Coast Guard paid for my graduate degree, and I convinced them to let me do that in Colorado where I grew up. So that was when we put on our biggest home haunt. We called it Arkham Asylum. It was based on the Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, built a like 500 square foot passage in my front yard and uh, driveway. And after that, we're like, well, how can we keep having fun with this? And we're like, well, why don't we make a podcast about it? So that's how we got into into the podcast. And um, Because after our... Arkham, he moved again. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. after Arkham, I moved again and went to a ship. <laughs> Uh, and when I was assigned to a ship, it was really hard uh, to haunt. Although one year we were able to yeah, build a haunted say. house on the ship, which was a lot of fun. I was going to say, I'm sure at some point you were able to pull something off in the, in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. They, I had a really awesome CO. Uh, we pitched it to him in August, and he let us open that October. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I would do that again in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's us. Yeah, what are you gonna say, John? something. No, I was just gonna say something. Spencer said really kind of resonated with me when you mentioned it. Is a lot of the fun, like about the camaraderie and all that, is is a big part of it. And that's kind of how I feel like we are. You know, we still have some friends that that do it with us, and it's it just makes it so much more fun to do it with a group of people that you like. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would like to do is uh, jump into start talking about how Fear Factory is dealing with COVID. Well, yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, <laughs> how are we dealing with COVID? I would love to throw the biggest bucket of water on COVID. That's how we're dealing with it. <laughs> um, I feel you. Legit. Right? Yeah. We, um, you know, we were, uh, if, if your listeners don't know, we were the first haunted house in the world uh, to open up during this stupid, crazy, um, horrible pandemic. And it was the hardest decision we probably could have done. It's certainly probably one of the hardest things I've done in my career. I've, I've ran, I've ran, I private consulted for a decade. I, I did casino management and hotel management and, and I, and nonprofit management and, and I, all these things that I thought, you know, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and COVID, opening during COVID, uh, took the cake at least two or three times that amount. Yeah, um, th- so the event that you did, this is something that you guys do every year, right? This halfway to Halloween? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So we originally had planned to open the 15th and 16th. And um, after, of course, and that, this is, of course, 15th and 16th of May. 
So by, you know, by late March, early April, we knew that things were going to get ugly uh, just by watching the demographics um, and what was happening data wise. My uh, my wife's a doctor and a chemist and a pharmacist. And so she's watching medically what's happening movement wise, both on the health side, but on the pharmaceutical side. And and we could just we could see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we made a decision to kind of hold the line and we had planned to open as if we would. And then we ended up making a decision to postpone it two weeks just to try and give us a little bit of extra time to plan. And during that time, myself and a few of us kind of worked together and we kind of pulled everything together and I sat down and spent way too much time in front of a laptop um, over the course of a month to build this 60 page contingency plan that we now have. And, um, and for those of, you know, for any of the viewers, it's free. It's on our website. Um, it's under our FAQs. Um, it's but it's, it'll help folks get, you know, we, the goal is, is that we, we wanted to be able to test our own market uh, to see whether or not we could really do this and more importantly do it successfully because I wanted to prove a point to our governor, to our you know our county, our city folks that we can do this. Um, there is a way to do this, but we also need to do it carefully and proactively and, and you know, we, we really want to be safe. And that, of course, opened up Pandora's box uh, to just just uh, way, way, way too much work. Um, and uh, and we you know we sat I and mean, there were several of our meetings and our owners were all together and we said you know, we either are going to cross this line or we're not going to cross this line. And if we're going to cross it, we're all going to have to put in a thousand percent more than what we're used to doing. Um, and we made the decision to do so because. Quite frankly, for me, I'd rather lose ten, twenty, thirty, um, forty thousand dollars in May than I would lose millions of dollars in the fall. And so, uh, so we made that decision to uh, to open. We started training our team every week. We had Zoom trainings, uh, we had online trainings, we had kind of check-ins with everyone, kind of letting them know what the plan was, what was happening. Uh, we hired a third-party health department inspector um, who is an old uh, health department worker. He's an old director, and he now has his own practice and does private consulting. So we hired him on. And we built this plan, and, um, and the health department said, no, uh, we don't think you're going to be able to do this successfully. Um, and we pretty much said, challenge accepted. Uh, and we, <laughs> we, went to the, we went to the table, and we literally pulled every gun, every ammo, every bullet, every firecracker we had, and we put it into this plan. Um, and we sent it back, and they said pretty much, holy <laughs> good job, you guys. Okay. Um, so that allowed us, sorry, I hope I, I swore, sorry. Um, it's okay, I'm good at editing. No, yeah, okay, it's all perfect. good. Yeah, put a little bird <laughs> chirp in there. Um, so, yeah, and so we did it. Uh, we were open May 29th. Um, our team just killed it. They did so great on the execution of our plan and everything that we trained them to do and uh, and how to be able to mitigate any concerns proactively. Uh, we did decrease the number of people on our property. Uh, we uh, we decreased the number of actors as well, just to make sure that not only our customers had spacing, but internally our actors had space as well. And uh, we did great. Uh, we had planned to be open the 29th and 30th, but unfortunately we had some riots happening in downtown Salt Lake on the 30th that caught national and international attention. And uh, we our, our city mayor forced businesses to close at 8 p.m., which of course was when we were going to open. <laughs> so at least we were able to get one day in on the 29th, um, and now here we are many weeks later. Um, it's been really cool to work and to hear from the health department. We had zero concerns, zero transmissions, uh, no contagion, no outbreaks, no nothing from our event um, because Wonderful. everyone took it seriously and everyone did what they were supposed to do. And so 
that's allowing us now to really look at the fall and be very precise about how we're going to open in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, like I mentioned earlier, we released the 60-page plan for free, um, which is hopefully going to allow a lot of businesses and home haunts to be able to really um, kind of read through it, make decisions that are best for you. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone's city and county jurisdiction and, and um, requirements are going to be different. Um, but if it allows folks to be able to do what they love, you know, great. That's our goal. I think ultimately we, we at some point we realized it was less about Fear Factory opening in Salt Lake City and more about saving an industry. Ultimately, um, we we saw just these you know huge great pillars in our industry and other haunted houses that were just collapsing in front mm-hmm. of us, just saying no, we're not right. going to this year. We can't do it. Um, and it, it's been you know it's been really disheartening, um, especially. I mean, I'm. I'm <clears throat> on the Haunted Attraction Association Board of Directors, and um, and for those home haunters, I a quick shameless plug: if you're not if you're not in the HAA, the Haunted, Haunted Attraction Association, I would highly suggest it was probably one of the most valuable things and resources that I had as a haunt owner when I was owning uh, when I ran my home haunt. So, um, but the HAA, you know, it, because we are on it on an international level, we're hearing what's happening all over the place. It's 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 been a really uh, really tough year, but I think for those of us that are willing to kind of like just get in there full speed ahead and help save Halloween, um, you know, let's let's do it. So awesome! And awesome. there will definitely be links to both your plan on Fear Factory's website, and I'll put the HAA mm-hmm. website on, in the description of the podcast too. Make it easy awesome. for our listeners to find it. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned you were talking with your local. Board of Health. Who else were you talking to while, while trying to develop your your contingency plan? Yeah, we pulled a lot of resources together. You know, there's our, our five owners. Um, one of them specifically, Heidi, is a, we kind of call her like our, our internal private investigator. But she like is, what she can find on the internet is amazing. Like I don't know how she does it. So, um, <laughs> but she, you know, her and I did a lot of the digging and a lot of the work. Um, and I, you know, because I used to, you know, my old background in casinos and in, in, in health management is where I had six different restaurants that were under my wing when it came to making sure that they were operational and clean and, and ready to rock and roll. So for me, the health department doesn't scare me. And I, I realized very quickly that in our industry, a lot of folks don't have experience with the health department. And so for us, it gave us a one-up to be able to really think about how do we do this. And so I immediately started building a plan as if I would have built a plan you know, for a restaurant, but I built it specifically for an entertainment venue and, and sent that to our health department. And they you know, gave us plenty of suggestions, which in turn is what helped us uh, bring on this third-party consultant to kind of really help us kind of shoot, you know, just shoot as many bullets as possible into this tiny little life raft and see what, you know, what punctured so that we could patch it up and get it ready for the next storm, to use a Coast Guard analogy. I like it. And, uh, right? Good. And, uh, yeah, and so we, we that's, that was it. And it was just a lot of resources, a lot of time, um, and certainly just kind of, you know, I I think part of the, one of the hardest things for me ultimately was how do you plan for something that no one's ever done before? Uh-huh. Um, and how do you do it on a timeline? I mean, we're a ticking, you know, we're ticking time bomb of like six weeks out to pull this off. Um, and of course, I had, you know, I had other haunted house owners from all over the world, and some of the the biggest other haunt names that are in our industry that called me and they're like, Spence, what are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? And and after talking with them about the plan and everything that we had in place, their concerns certainly diminished because you know I think ultimately we were all concerned. 
you know, we don't – sure, it's Fear Factory, but uh, very similar with home haunts that, you know, if one home haunt does something stupid, everyone's going to suffer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember hearing about that home haunt a while ago that, you know, it, it caught fire and, and I immediately – it was like four or five years ago now. And I remember thinking, oh, this is not going to be pretty. Um, and similar with the fire in Poland at that escape room. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, federally, all all escape rooms were required under certain mandates. And and I think that's going to happen at some point for home hunters. And so very similar for us as an operation is I didn't want to screw it up for the whole industry. And like, we're never letting our kids. We're never going to a haunted house. Again. Did you guys hear what happened in Salt Lake City? Like, oh, my gosh, everyone died from coronavirus. And so – and we that was a very, very real concern of ours, making sure that we were not only doing something that was going to benefit us, but that it would benefit the industry rather than the, than the opposite. So it was a lot of work, a lot of pressure, but I think ultimately it, it certainly paid off, and we're, we're, we're proud to have been able to do it. It certainly cost us just a ton of money. We lost so much money being able to do this, but it allowed us to really see through the fog and, and allow other people to plan for this year. So And that, of course, is now reached out to. I got an email a couple weeks ago from an aquarium, and the aquarium was just like, hey, just wanted to reach out to you and say thanks for your plan. We actually took your plan, and you're a friend of a friend of a friend of a haunted house here locally, and we took your plan, and we read over it, and we built our own plan, and we sent that to the county, and the county approved us, and we're opening next week. Yay. And I'm like, That's cool. Amazing. Like, that <laughs> that had to feel good. And still have fun. Like We need to have the safety, but – we're social beings, right? Like we gotta have fun. We gotta do these things together, and there's there's beauty in, in haunted houses. So yeah. So you mentioned you lost a lot of money doing this. Now, how are you looking to prevent losing a lot of money in the fall? Like, what's the additional steps you're taking? Because we know there's going to be less throughput. Uh, are you opening additional days? How are you trying to make up for the funding that would be there, uh, but is not because of all these contingencies? Yeah. Well, additionally, you know, you you mentioned, and I, I read through your 60-page plan. You mentioned how you're hiring all these additional people for one aspect. Um, you know, using fewer haunt actors. So, kind of the personnel changes, and how is that affecting kind of your overall budget with these changes that you guys are putting into place? Yeah. Yeah. Great questions. Being able to open on the 29th allowed us to really be able to be successful but also to see where we can cut um we 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 have these 60 different things that we have to abide by on the state level but then we did 20 additional items just to kind of cover our butts and make sure that we could do this we know now um, based on kind of consumer confidence that's shifting a little bit but also how things are shifting um locally at least here in salt lake county um here in utah is we know that we'll be able to cut some of our staff some of our cleanings, you know, we hired 10 people, but we probably really only needed four. Uh-huh. But we we had extra people out because we wanted to just make sure we were extra, extra, extra clean. Um, and that was, you know, at the height of the you know, the concern of corona. And there's certainly a concern now, but there's also people who are like, screw it. If I get it, I get it. Um, I mean, it is what it is. So I, I think financially, is it going to take a hit? Yes. Um, and that's ultimately what we're seeing um, from a lot of home haunts. Um, and from a lot of kind of low and mid-range haunted houses this year is that they they typically take all of their cash earnings from the previous operation, they roll that into the future, into that the current year operation, and if there's a concern of spending that money and not being able to open, then of course it makes sense to not open. And it is what it is. It just it sucks. It really does suck. And so that's why, and excuse my 
my sniffle, my my strange nasalness. I was outside cutting grass, and I realized afterwards, I'm like, ah, probably shouldn't have done that with my allergy. <laughs> so forgive me ahead of time. But uh, financially, it's is it going to hurt? Absolutely. Um, this year is, you know, in general, the haunted house industry has had such a really great. It's had a great lift on how we've made money, both in the fun ratio aspect of how people are, are finding out about haunted houses and home haunts and just, you know, they, they go for the fun, right? And then eventually they're like, I mean, at our home haunt, and I'm sure very similar for you guys, like there's people that come to the, your home haunt and they're going to kick you 10, 5, 10, 20 bucks. They're like, hey, you guys, like my kids love this every year. Thanks for doing it and putting it out what you do and you guys are great. And and that's part of, I think, you know, being able to continue doing great things in the industry. But financially, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad. I mean, we, in fact, we've actually decreased the number of operating dates for us. We typically are open between 35 to 40 dates. Uh, we'll be open for 28 this this season, and that's essentially where it's a quality versus quantity conversation mm-hmm. about uh, supply and demand ultimately. And we're going to gamble on the side that our our customers and our fans are going to say. You know what? If there's limited tickets and limited dates, I got to get these tickets and I got to get them early. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll essentially have less dates. And even though we, you know, typically we're open for 40 days, and you know, you'd see our attendants do the roller coaster thing where you know on weekends it would spike really high. We'd have a three, four hour wait in line um, and have you know three, four thousand people waiting. And then on our Tuesdays and Wednesdays we'd have a thousand people or fifteen hundred people. Um, and so we're essentially taking out those Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those slower nights. And moving that attendance over to the Thursdays and Sundays, and that's going to allow us to <clears throat> to do what we can. And I think, you know, I, to be honest, I kind of looked at it as a home haunter philosophy that, you know, if I'm only going to be open and I have all this work to do, and, and all my neighbors are the ones helping me be the actors, I can't pull this off in you know two weeks worth of operating days, but I can do it in you know four days at the Halloween weekend. And uh-huh, so that's uh-huh. kind of what we're that's kind of where we're going to look at it. And uh, fingers crossed, it's going to work out. Yeah, I'd like to follow up with you after the season, and if you don't mind doing doing something like this again, we can see how well it went. Yeah, let's line something up in December. Screw Christmas, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh. Christmas, just Halloween, too? Yep. Yeah, 2.0. <laughs> it's a little on the lighter side, that's all. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit earlier you reduced the number of actors that you have, but I saw in your lessons learned that you replaced that with uh, it sounded like animatronics and some other things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is the win-win for sure. Uh, I think anyone who's 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 even contemplating opening this season, full speed ahead on animatronics, on any kind of rigged, um, triggered, uh, or automated scare, push as fast as you can. That's ultimately what's going to save everyone this year. We'll... We're looking, I mean, we'll typically have on property for any operating night, um, anywhere between 100, we've even had like 130, 140 actors per night, and we're going to almost cut that in half. Wow. And that, you know, and you can imagine with having less actors, that means less scare space, and in this massive six-building facility, like, there's a, there could potentially be a lot of empty space. And And we know that there's beauty in kind of the peak scare, high impact scare, and then you bring it down low a little bit. Oh, that's kind of pretty. It's kind of cool. Boom. And there's the pops. There's your scare again. And it kind of goes up and down. And so for us, we're, we're looking at how we do that now without the human compact, the human factor of that. Um, and that's really, 
It's been hard. It's been really hard, um, especially on our team. You know, typically this is kind of a little bit of downtime for them. They've been building nonstop. We have two new buildings that we just built, this three-story huge facade with this gorgeous castle and this massive Grim Reaper that comes out from an old prop that we had. And we rebuilt this beautiful kind of Louisiana bayou kind of cemetery with projections and animatronics and um, the whole the whole ceiling moves and it floats it does this really cool illusion, um, and the team's just been working nonstop since November. And so by the time March came around, we were pretty much done with that sucker and ready to open our season. We'd already invested the capital, we'd already invested the labor, and when COVID hit, we realized, holy crap, now what? And that's allowing us to to really invest a lot of time and resources into these other animated things. And it could be, you know, even as easy as, you know, we already have airlines running to the pneumatic, cut that line, put a T into it, and run another line with a little trigger for your actor so that the actor, even if they can't get within six feet, they can still be on the other side of a wall and put a, you know, drill a hole through that wall and put a little air blast in that they can still control. We all know that automation is great, but it's not, it's not as perfect as human scares are. And so... The, the human can still be in the right spot at the right time with the right trigger and still get a really decent spot. Um, you know, when we're looking at other things, our, our, we have two makeup managers um, and a really great FX shop tech who have had been working nonstop. Uh, they're, I think they're probably putting in 15, 20 hours a week at this point um, just, just to be able to really – and that's all three of them um, individually – to be able to help catch us up to speed because there's a lot of animatronics that – we're kind of dusting off things that are four, five, six years old that we pulled out of the show a year or two ago. And at this point, every single – I mean, it's like you know, you pull out all – like every single thing you've got. If there's a penny that you can put in that penny jar, put it in there and we're going to need it. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we're doing. And so – and it's not going to lie. Like our team is – they're so dedicated and they love what they do and they love the Fear Factory culture that they're willing to invest all this time into it. And, and it's been really awesome to see all these old props. And even for me, I've been around five years, and there's one the other day that came out, and I was like, I have never seen this thing in my life. <laughs> where is it from? So that's been really cool to uh, to be able to see how we're just, you know, big piles of skulls that are coming out of nowhere, and we're doing some really cool things, and how to be able to build these up and, and you know, spray them down, clean them off, make them look sexy again, put some new sounds, some new automation to it, and... You know, and make sure that we can do our best to uh, to make things look great again. So it's been a lot of work, and kudos to our construction team because I think they, uh, you know, they they've had a lot on their plate, and they've had to be really flexible. And, and I think a lot of times our construction guys, you know, it's headed up by one of our owners. It's hard work, and and to be able to tell, you know, there's nothing worse than as an artist. I mean, we this will be great for everyone listening. That as an artist, there's nothing worse. Than having someone tell you, well, you know what, that's probably not going to work very well, even though you're just <laughs> doing it. Oh, like, right. It's not going to happen. And, um, and and they've had to be really flexible about that. You know, we a really good learning moment that I um, – and for folks that haven't seen the HAA, there's a two-hour HAA interview that kind of we – with myself and a lot of our team to kind of break down the operation. And there was a really cool learning moment in the construction build, which is that um, – yeah, and, I'll, and I'll give away that I'll give a, I'll give away how to do this because I think some of you can probably do this at home. Um, but it's essentially a 40 foot container, steel container, shipping container, and we pump the entire thing 
full of heavy cubic fog. And literally, you walk into the enti- that you walk into the container, you cannot see if you were to touch your nose, you just you can't see the hand in front of you. It's that thick. And we wanted to simulate a drowning feeling because high density fog sits at the lowest end of your lungs. And so as you walk through it, it's remember it's only forty feet. And as you're walking through, by about the thirtieth foot, you're like, Ooh, I can feel something going on. And, and people start panicking because they're like, I don't know what's going on. I can't see what's happening in front of me. And then we put in this beautiful high def uh, white strobe, just a white light strobe that just kind of <laughs> it's like this slow, slow light release. Oh, that's and great. people couldn't see what was in there. We had an actor in there who could literally get a foot from them and they would never see it coming. Um, and oh. it was awesome. It was really awesome. So that was in, we we designed this scare and everyone loved it. It was the coolest thing. And you know we can spend we can spend twenty thousand dollars on a prop and people are like, oh, I love that ten dollar gag you guys did. <laughs> it just pisses me off. So and so they had this really cool idea and they just they executed it perfectly. But when it came to COVID, we had to have flaps. We had to have fridge flaps to keep the fog in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with COVID, we couldn't do that. Um, and so we, we, you know, and they, of course, were pissed off because they're like, screw this stupid COVID thing. Like, it's ruining our art and we can't do our cool scare. And and, uh, and we we just, you know, you got you to gotta lean in sometimes and just kind of lean into the conversation that's a little hard to have. And then we talked about, okay, well, what can we do? Like, how do we do it? And we ended up coming up with a plexiglass door idea that worked flawlessly and, in fact, actually made the scare better. And, you know, and that was a great learning moment for our team of just, you know, sometimes these things that we push back on and we're like, you know, F you, COVID, because you <laughs> suck. And the reality is, is that it's allowing us to get more creative and it's pushing us outside of our comfort zones. And I think we're going to, for the people who are willing to stick in the game, I think it's going to help shift the industry into being a better, more efficient industry. So mm-hmm. thanks, COVID. You're awesome. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely makes you need to be more fluid and just totally. be a little bit more flexible. Be water. Is yeah, word. I love that stretching, stretching your creativity into places where right. you're not comfortable going because you've never had a need to. Exactly. Just as just as you were describing that, I'm pretty sure I could feel Peony like doing the evil finger pyramid on the other side, <laughs> just just drooling over it. Yeah, uh, I mean, you mentioned that one of the ways that we're changing this year is we were going to do you know the walkthrough and everything but we've shifted more toward a drive-by type so i'm trying to get into projection mapping this year and that's going to be like our really big the draw points cool keeping the fingers crossed we'll see how it goes yeah running out of time yeah. <laughs> fingers <Right>. crossed <laughs> one of so one of you, thing i don't know what, what are you using projection wise like Home hunters, I know, don't have a lot of budget. Those projectors are expensive. They are. I have been hustling every weekend <laughs> going to estate sales, uh, picking up stuff, reselling it on Facebook Marketplace to fund all of my haunting endeavors. Yeah. So that's given me a little bit extra cash to work with. And I found a awesome company called Lightform that does yeah. low-budget projection mapping. It was yep. like 900 bucks to get the camera and computer that I can use with a projector I already have. Uh, so that's the basis of my setup. I it just showed up like two days ago, so I'm awesome. just You're working on getting it set up. We, yeah, you use we Lightform. Have one as well. Yeah, Lightform. Light. That's why I asked because I was gonna plug. I I do not get paid by Lightform <laughs> at all because they have produced a, a really decent product. Uh huh. Um, and if any of you have ever been to Transworld, 
or down in St. Louis, which it's is like dream. this international haunted house convention. So um, it's on our Quantum list. runs Gantham Lighting. Um, Gantham Lighting is uh, they are now in development of building an even smaller, even more powerful, and even cheaper light form version. Um, and as we all, anyone who's ever worked with Quan, I mean, the dude's brilliant. Like he just runs laps around us, and <laughs> he, he, you know, he's got a robotics engineering degree, and his wife's this artist, and so collectively, like they're like this unstoppable tech duo in our industry. Awesome. Um, I, I'm stoked to see what they're going to come up with. So yeah, we'll see. Keep an eye I bet it's going to be around the four, five, six hundred dollar range. That's which it's going to put affordable. a lot of projection opportunities into home haunt space. That's so. really cool. Yeah, I'll still look more into that. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you guys are incorporating projections. Uh, can you give any shout outs for who you're getting your projections from? Or are you creating your own? We're creating our own, yeah. Um, all of our projectors are actually coming from uh, same, you know, Facebook Marketplace slash, um, <laughs> you know, even right now, and well, maybe not right now because things are shifting with online learning, um, but before, our university, our local universities, you know, every every two or three years, they're kicking out old projectors and putting in new projectors, and so we went up and we scored a pretty decent bundle of a few of them, and, um, and they're... You know, they're powerful enough that we could shoot something, you know, 10, 20, 30 feet, or probably 20 feet inside of a dark space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the higher, you know, if you're outside projecting onto a house, for example, like you talked about, Kioni, it's that's obviously a lot higher lumen, and usually those are in like the forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 range. So, right. um, but, you know, we, we did, yeah, we have some projections. Um, I can totally give a shout out to Spectral Illusions. Uh, Spectral's <laughs> yes. out of... You know, right, I have, so, have, I have several Spectral Illusions yeah <laughs> they're great um and i think those two um you know they're out of they're out of california um and they they really love this industry um and they're always willing to be flexible um, they do custom work and um, we've always been pleased with everything that we've got from them so certainly a shout out for them yeah no i think so just like they said it's gonna allow people to take it to the next level with that i think that's great i'm sorry Les, i didn't mean to cut you off yeah. oh yeah no you're we cut each other off all the time that's how it happens. <laughs> so in terms of, you know, managing what you learned in your May event um, and, you know, given this seems to be resurging, there also seems to be a growing group that is kind of like, eh, screw it. If I get it, I get it. You know, I'm assuming you guys are still going to be obligated and fully in, in, involved in, you know, continuing on implementing your plan come October. So what's kind of your contingency for handling the people who don't care as they come in? I'm not talking about your, your staff, but like guests as they come in. Yeah. yeah. Guests who don't want to follow the rules. It's a good question. Yeah. You're right. That's a good question. The non-maskers as they've now officially been dubbed. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I can probably preface this by what happened about 48 hours ago here in Utah, which now the Washington Post and CNN's reporting on it. But it was a group of parents who, um, who there was an online meeting being held to essentially talk about students going back to school and the students had to wear their masks. And the whole, almost the whole room didn't have masks on. And there's like a hundreds, 200 people maybe in time crammed into this teeny tiny little room and it's a reminder that even if you're against what's happening right now, you have to think bigger than you. And I think that's kind of where we are. You know, our governor has not made a requirement, quote unquote, of masks 
But the idea is, is that, you know, we all need to do our part, right? Like, whether we hate COVID or not, whether we think it's a crock or not, whether we think it's a lie or not, all, all of the variables aside, if we're going to get through this and we have to be able to figure out how to do it in a way that's going to be proactive where we can still keep an economy running, because um, let's be frank, the economy pays for the healthcare. <laughs> the, the reality is, is that that means that we have to play the rules that we don't like. Um, and in this case, that's for us as well. And so, um, so we're, you know, we obviously are requiring all of our staff to wear masks. And I would bet this fall, um, we will probably shift to. I mean, it, it, obviously now we've got some pretty big chains that are now requiring masks to enter their stores. Um, and I think we will will follow suit with that as well. Uh, in my conversations with other attractions across the globe, they're also shifting into a fully requiring uh, mask um, to come on their property. Um, and even if that means that, you know, even if you, um, I won't mention their name, but an attraction that's in another state uh, said, you know, even if, if they say, well, I have asthma and I, so I can't wear a mask, then their response is going to be, well, then you can't come in. Um, it's just, it really is that simple. And I think, I think we'll, you know, I don't know. I don't know where, where we're going to be in two months from now. We could, you know, the spike may totally disappear and none of us remember COVID in, in two months. Um Probably not, and so we're planning on the worst case scenario at the same time. So I think, and you know, and it really comes down to marketing and how do we market and how do we communicate that with our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very specific about our marketing machine. We've got a pretty great marketing machine, and uh, and we'll do our part to kind of communicate that and, and to kind of share share that perspective. I think a lot of times people get so hung up in the what or the how, but they don't really and or are not told the why. And um, I think that'll be important that, you know, ultimately, the more people can wear a mask, then the more people can go places and do things that they love. So there is some freedom in wearing a mask. And I I think they're tied together. So, yeah. That's, that's, we'll a, good, that's a really good segue with your, your discussion about the marketing. I really liked the email. So you've shifted, for your May event at least, you shifted completely to online ticketing. And yep. it looked like you sent an email to all the people who bought tickets ahead of the event, giving them a, an overview of what to expect. Can you talk a little bit about that How and yeah. uh, the effect that it had on your your guests? Yeah, so um, yeah, one of the best decisions we made was moving completely online um, ticketing. Uh, it took left. so many headaches out of our <laughs> I win. Um, <clears throat> I, I totally, you know, there's a part of me that, you know, I understand the cash conversation, and I understand why cash is important and what that means, for, especially for specific groups. Um, and that's why we've chosen to still open. We're still going to have one ticket window that will allow cash, um, but that's it. You know, we typically have six windows. Um, we'll have one, and we're going to push as many people to online purchases as possible. And as, I think playing this supply and demand game, um, the the demand is going to increase, and so because there's limited supply, which means that people will be able to get them earlier in advance online, and I think that's probably going to help bridge that together anyway. But that said, I think we'll you know we'll see we'll see what's going to happen. Um, I, I I think ultimately ultimately cash is going to be is going to be you right you know it's it, it, it's it's going to happen. It's it's a way of how to purchase things. But I think if there's a way to to put technology into people's hands and or to give them other opportunities to do something different, I think we're we're going to be in a better place. So we'll we'll see we'll see mm-hmm. how that's. Gonna work. But in doing so, the email specifically, 
it allowed us just to communicate better. Um, and, and because we were able to get those folks to buy online, it allowed us to, to then, you know, we're not selling them anything. If, you know, we're not sending them spam mail. It's essentially, hey, you've already bought your ticket. Here's what we're going to expect of you. And that, that really was it. It was just kind of an expectations thing. We knew that the health department would be on property. Uh, and we, you know, and, and even if they weren't on property, in fact, they actually, we, to our knowledge, we never saw anyone. We've heard that there were undercover people that were there, but we, um, yeah, we no concerns from the health department. But it allowed us just to communicate better, um, which of course was great. Um, that really, really helped out, and I think that's that's one of those learning moments that we'll we'll continue to do mm-hmm. to figure out how do we how do we essentially give people what they need ahead of time, so there's just less questions. Um, less confusion when they get on our property. So, yeah. yeah. It was a great tool. And the online ticketing let you do time ticketing so you yes. could shift a lot of your queue off property. Yeah. Had, had you done that before this event, or how did it change? Well, ironically, 2020 was our rollover year to go to time ticketing. <laughs> um, we've been planning for it for two years, uh, very similar to the Disney model. You know, Disney planned it for three years, and they announced it 2019. Um, and so for us, we, you know, we're, we're not too far behind them. And so for us, it, uh, it, yeah, it was a, just, a, it was a great opportunity to really control the people who are on our property, which of course gives us a better opportunity to get, to provide a, a, a greater experience for the customer. And, you know, ultimately that's, you know, that's the business that we're in, right? It's customer experience. And I think any way that we can do that benefits. And if that means less people, which means less lines, which means less chaos, Great. Everybody's happy. It, yeah. Um, what's what? You know, the hardest part, of course, is that we're going to lose money. You know, we typically we'd put anywhere between three to four thousand people through a night. And we're going to be looking at somewhere between two to three, probably. Um, so we are losing money, but I think it's allowing us to just kind of rethink the the all, overall the customer experience, mm-hmm. um, which is really great. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a really good tool. Uh, we tip. We used to use a, a, a software ticketing company called Grotix. Um, which now has merged into the parent company Patron, which is um, part of ShowClicks, and they have this beautiful, beautiful uh, integrated system of both online ticketing, queuing, div- uh, digital queuing, and, uh, and and everything in between for an attraction our size. So it's pretty cool, and for smaller ones too. So we're really excited to to finally get over to that software. Mm-hmm. Can we talk makeup for a minute? Let's do it. I saw some really that. cool pictures in your in your document of the way that the makeup artists incorporated masks into the actor's overall look. Yeah. Can you talk about it? Totally. Um, shout out to Becky Manuel and Chelsea Harbour because they're our makeup managers. And um, quite frankly, I mean, I already love them. Uh, I, 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 they really do a great amount of work. But to see them push through so many barriers um, and so much red tape, um, industry red tape that um, they just, yeah, they killed it. They really killed it. I mean, who knew? I mean, we even, we have an internship program as well. So we actually, you know, every year we open it up, there's about 50, 60, 70 people who apply for this very, very limited 17 seat internship. And they essentially work all season or all summer long with our two managers and our four supervisors um, they have, you know, on Saturdays they meet for three hours and they do some really cool stuff. And uh, and who knew that we would all be talking about an internship, a, an FX makeup internship, painting masks? Like who knew, right? Like, it's, it is 
it's mind-blowing to me. And there's times where I still go into the FX lab where they're creating stuff, and I'm like, man, this sucks, but wow, this is so cool. <laughs> um, it's awesome. So yeah, so hat off to those two. Um, but they... We, yeah, we essentially had PPE that was required, and in order to have that PPE, you know, there's just nothing sexier than a doctor's <laughs> mask in the middle of a vampire zone, right? Like, it's just, wow, that's so cool. So, um, and so we had to get smart, uh, and, and not going to lie, this is one of those spots where you got to lean in, and you really have to kind of come up with some other things, and there's a couple of vendors, um, I think Inferno Masks, we had, um, we used some of their stuff, so shout out to them, they had a really good product. Um, they, and some of those masks were only like 60, 70 bucks, um, even 40 bucks, I think, one of them. So really not not too bad. Um, but then that, you know, we also really put full speed ahead. Um, I mean, our, I, I, they were, I don't even know how many hours they were working at that point, just literally overnight working on molding and creating masks that essentially could cover the, the medical mask um, and to be able to really create a character. They, they, they nailed it. They just nailed it, and we we had haunted houses, haunted houses that were telling us like, seriously, you're not gonna be able to do this. We've tried this, doesn't work. If we tried doing this, we had people who were sick, and we tried, you know, we we have this the haunt plague, right? That people usually get sick of, <laughs> and so we all we, yeah we all know that, and and people are like, we tried doing it one year just because we you know we wanted to make sure people didn't get sick, and we just couldn't pull it off, and here we are pulling it off, and really kudos to our team because it took a lot of kind of re we essentially rethought the wheel, and it, it worked out really well. And there are, of course, vendors right now um, that are also doing the same, and they're coming up with just the coolest stuff. And I'm like, man, we would never have gone down this road without COVID. So yeah, as much yeah. as I hate COVID, I totally embrace it at the same time. Yeah, that is so cool. It's another example of having to stretch your creativity a little bit in order to, in order to make effective change. Absolutely, yeah. and I have to. That. Yeah. I have to recommend everyone go check out the the document that Fear Factory put out. Put out. There's like 12 pictures in here of the mask that they put together, and it's it's just mind blowing what your guys came up with. It's it's amazing. Well, thanks. Yeah, they they did a great job. We're proud of them. It's proud cool. of everyone. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh I've lost track of where we are. Less John. Someone jump in. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> One of the things that you had to shift with makeup is moving to exclusively airbrush. Yeah. You want to kind of talk about what you guys went through? Because, I mean, I know that that's a, that's a whole other skill set in, in, the, in the world of makeup. And I know that you know, more and more haunts are starting to use and advocate for makeup just because of, you know, obviously the, the safety issue, not sharing makeup, not having to clean everything off. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that that's a whole, that's a whole different skill set. Yeah, you're right, 100% right, Les. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it really is its own beast. Um, and even this internship that I mentioned earlier, you know, at the beginning of the internship, we, you know, we start by teaching them brush, and then eventually, for those that are interested, we move into airbrush. And um, we made the decision and told all of them, if you guys are up for it, we're gonna buy all of you an airbrush at the end of this, but we're gonna teach you all airbrush. Um, and uh, it got gutsy. Super gutsy. I mean, you know, I I can't even draw a stick figure, let alone airbrush <laughs> one to save my life. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the beauty. I, we all have our own skills, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's been it has been hard. Um, but same thing. I think for the people who have pushed through that space, 
really proud of them. I mean, even just our last internship, in fact, I kind of paused the class uh, and just asked and said, can I just take two minutes really quick <clears throat> and um, give everyone some love because to look at their airbrush skills from even four weeks ago compared to now, mm-hmm. it's night and day. I mean, they were practicing painting veins and I've seen people, oh. I've seen people, um, right? Like you, we know yeah. how those are. And I've seen better product out of that class than I have from some of our returning artists that have been with us for a couple of years. And so I think Whoa. pushing hard up front is certainly going to give us a chance to just open up more spaces later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and certainly Airbrush has a lot of pros. You know, it's it's certainly safer. It's certainly cleaner. Um, it's certainly faster. And, um, yeah, I, it's worked out really well for us. Uh, you know, we have our makeup room. Typically, we can have 17 artists up there. Um, and, of course, it is... It's it's one of my like pure joys sometimes just to walk into that room and see the commotion of 17 artists with usually like 15 <laughs> airbrushes and there's so much fog in the air from all the airbrush and the windows are open and, and the condensers like you know the air quality's moving and the filters like <laughs> and it is the sexiest thing to see these like really beautiful humans turning into these just beautiful monsters and the the chaos um, it's it's cool it's really cool I'm not gonna lie I'm addicted to it um and uh, right. and I think yeah airbrush is is allowing people to to get into space that they haven't been able to get before with brush um, mm-hmm. and I, I certainly you know um, there's a couple of really decent airbrushes out there for fifty sixty bucks and you can get a compressor for forty fifty bucks at you know Harbor Freight and um, I, I would highly suggest anyone who's interested or thinking about getting into it Jump the gun, especially now if you're not working and you're like, hey, I got some time on my hands. Go paint, go paint a room, like go paint on your wall and just practice because <laughs> you can cover that up later. Who cares? But you might as well start now. So I know what Les is doing later. Right. <laughs> Repainting rooms. Oh yeah, well we've got a whole bunch of blank walls in this house. So, there you go. You know, there you go. Color. That sounds like canvas to me. Right. I gotta work on my brushwork before I go get an airbrush. <laughs> <laughs> So I had another question, you know, as as you're doing all of this, how are your sponsors reacting to you guys kind of taking this very, very bold leap of saying, we've made this plan, we're going to implement it, we're going to go forward and keep operating? Yeah, great question. The, um, you know, I just, I literally just right before this call, I just wrote two invoices. Um, <laughs> our sponsors are doing good. For the sponsors, you know, they're, they're doing good. Rockstar is one of our, is one of our sponsors this year that, you know, they've kind of gone back and forth because you can imagine like Rockstar sales in general and Budweiser in general, right? Like they're tanking. It's just it's yeah. just tanking right now. Sure. And so they've pulled all of their marketing. They've pulled their budgets. And uh, and in talking with them yesterday, and they said, you know what, Spence, we, we appreciate the partnership. We, we appreciate the relationship um, and, and what you guys do for us. And so we're going to stick it. We're going to stick it out. Um, and we are, I think, one of three sponsors for the oh, year. Now. Wow. That's and, huge. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a really great compliment to the, you know, to what we're able to provide to them. And I think, you know, in general, sponsors for the sponsors that are able to, they're mm-hmm. willing to stick in the game. Um, I think of this very similar to, you know, the stock market. Sometimes you just got to stick in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that said, you know, there are some sponsors this year. They're like, 
you know what, we just we just don't have the funds, which I completely can respect. And so, you know, when I've told them, like, you know, if you want to come back next year, totally, like, we'll, we'll welcome you with open arms. I, I get that you got to do what you got to do within your space that you can do something in. Um, then, you know, we have other things, you know, we have, uh, like, Xfinity is one of our big sponsors as well, and Comcast, the parent company, has asked that they do not do any events or any handouts. Um, you know, so like, hey, here's some cool swag, and you know, come sign up with us kind of thing. And so I've also had to recreate some partnerships and some packages that allows them to do what they want to do and to try and get a similar outcome, knowing that the, all the rules have changed. And so that's been a little bit tricky, and it's kept me on my toes. Uh, I, I head up all of our, our sponsorships. Our, our first year, when I first was brought on, there were zero partners or zero sponsorships. Uh, the first year, I think we, we increased it by 200%. The second year was 600%. Third year was 800%. Um, and now we're back to about the 400% mark. Um, but it's been great to be able to make, you know, tons and tons of money on sponsorships. But those sponsorships essentially are also marketing because we're giving mm-hmm. them tickets and those tickets are going to their right. They may not have come anyway. So so it works out in the end. And I think, you know, even home haunters or some home haunts that have sponsors. And I think if, uh, you know, if you can leverage that the right way, you know, and prove that you're being safe in how you're doing it. I think businesses overall don't want their brand associated with anything not safe at this point. So they're being very safe. But if you can prove that you can do that and, um, you know, take a couple pages out of that 60 page plan of ours and put that sucker to use. And if that helps you be able to, you know, land the sponsorship, then rock and roll. And even for us, when I owned my, when I did my home haunt, you know, one of our sponsors was Casey's, um, that's in the Midwest. It's Casey's gas stations. They're not everywhere in the U S but they hooked our team up with pizza and it was, just, it was nice. cool. You know, right. It's not, you know, it's not a million dollar sponsorship, right? Now I'm in charge of sponsorships from $500 to 45,000. And, uh, but to be able to like, to be able to get Casey's to say, yeah, you know what? Sure. We'll give you 75 bucks in pizzas. Crew is paid for check or crew is fed. Got it. <laughs> right. Done. So, no, I, I think there are, there's still ways to do that. Um, there, there really is. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's tricky, but, but yeah, we've, I think overall probably 90% of our sponsors are still sticking in the game. Um, it may be that they're dropping a tier down or two. They're doing less or investing mm-hmm. less money, but um, overall, sure. you know, they're happy. They know that we're the biggest game in town and certainly one of the best in the in the world, and they're happy to have their brand connected to ours. So, so where would you say you've gotten kind of the most pushback, if any, for kind of your plan, either when you first implemented it or even now as you're continuing forward, planning to open in October? Um. This I know this is gonna sound a little a little beautiful cloudy you know cloudy days um, but there really hasn't been a lot of pushback um, okay. we uh, has there been some absolutely are there trolls on the internet who need a job <laughs> yes there are certainly <laughs> um, uh, in fact we hired one of them because like they're very critical and if you're critical like sometimes we need critical on the team um, and and we hired one of them actually have but I think opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of leaving it, please tell us how this isn't going to work, so we can show you wrong or adjust what we're doing. Exactly. It's a great way of handling it. Right. Yeah. yeah, we. Um, I mean, there's right. There's always going to be haters. You know, it just it is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. as home haunters, we all have that one neighbor in the neighborhood that's like, <laughs> why do you have to have schools? And you're shut up. Enjoy. Shut up. <clears throat> right? like, yeah. 
So <laughs> I've been down that road, and, I, and there's always going to be those haters that are going to say, you're killing us from opening up. And my response to every one of those, and, and certainly our PR team that's handling those responses, is please read our 60-page contingency plan, and then you can go. Right. Because we've obviously done it once. We'll do it again. You know, We're being very specific and strategic about how we do it again to make sure that it's not this, you know, ego, egotistical, hey, look at us, we did it once, we can do it again, but really about how can we show that this entertainment industry in general that's hemorrhaging millions of dollars an hour right now mm-hmm. um, can be saved, um, and, and how do we work this together? Uh, and it's it's certainly a collaborative front, but I, 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 think, it's, I think it's working. It's just going to take some time. Okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fingers crossed. See how it yeah. goes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and even right now, I mean, I, you know, I have, I'm running on three different budgets. I'm running on a, hooray, we're going to be able to open at 80% capacity. <laughs> a, well, this kind of sucks, but we can open it, open at 40% capacity. And a, well, this totally sucks, but peace out Halloween 2020 and fire up, let's fire up for 2021. So yeah. I'm yep, ready sure. for any of those plans. Um, and I would certainly suggest that everyone does something similar. You know, if you're, you know, especially for you all, you know, as your listeners are mostly home haunters, I think, um, you know, if you're going to do it, good, do it. Get going. Um, and if you're not or you just don't know, I think just having a plan in place, um, you know, don't kill yourselves. I mean, we all know us as home haunters. It's like it's October 29th and we're like, all right, I'm going to build a haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Don't kill yourself. You know, if that means that you can, you know, maybe you got to bring it down a notch, and maybe it's not going to be as cool. Um, but I think people in general are going to appreciate it. And certainly, you know, I have, you know, I have a a small piece in my heart for home haunters since I was one. But I also know that that's where, you know, if it wouldn't have been for a home haunt, I I wouldn't be sitting doing what I'm doing now. Uh-huh. And I think there are many kids um, and. Parents, let's not lie. There's adults that like to have fun too, right? Um, but there's a lot of kids that they're growing up, and their very first Halloween haunted house experience is at a haunt. Yep. And I think yep. there's this beautiful, there's this beautiful space of kind of how you know, let's engage you in that in that space, and we're not going to scare the crap out of you, but you're going to have a good time, and you got to remember that. And next year you're going to want to do that again, and you're probably going to come back to my home haunt again. Um, and, you know, in five years or ten years from now, 15 years from now, you're going to be acting in this home haunt. And, like, it's just – it's cool. It's really cool. And I think the more that that can continue, um, the better. And, and as, as much as I'm concerned that COVID is going to um, – you know, is going to throw its own water on our fire as an industry, um, I think I think we can keep doing what we can and we'll be looking okay. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to look okay. Yeah. At least for the year. So, Les John, I think all my questions have been answered. You guys have anything else? Phew, I passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> we're right about that hour mark, so I'd like to wrap it up if we're, sure. oh, yeah. we're in a good spot. Yeah, uh, I, I think, think okay. yeah, I think everything, all the other questions that I would have really are, are less geared towards home haunting and how to handle this and more just the business aspect of, of really truly running a, a professional haunt. Um, but you know, it just in terms of you know, like I said, I've read through the document, and you guys did your research, and this is, I mean, I had to write my company's response policy, and granted, we're just office workers and everything else, but yeah, no, you guys, you guys killed it on this one. Yeah, and 
that that was one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on because I think this is really I've seen nobody else do anything near this level of thoroughness and I think it's really the gold standard that anybody could use and tailor to their own use so really appreciate you guys putting it out for free letting everybody else take what they can from it and thank you is what I'm trying to say it I think it's going to make a huge difference this year mm-hmm. yeah absolutely we're it's you know it, it, it I don't I don't remember how Spider-Man said it but you know with with greatness comes responsibility and I think <laughs> you know for us we've you know we most people don't know Fair Factory is only nine years old like we're in, we're a baby like we're a baby in this industry and now all of a sudden we have all these power players that are that are relying on us um, and thank goodness we have you know we've got some skill and some experience to put into that equation but. That's our goal ultimately at the end of the day is it, it, as an industry, it really is less about us. Um, I think for so long, home haunting and haunted houses have kind of been like this kind of closed knit group. Don't tell your secrets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the only haunted house in this city. Um, and, and quite frankly, we're, we're tired of it. And, and as, as a group, like we want to shift our entire industry into how do we share? How do we become bigger? How do we become better and more efficient? Um, and, and how does everyone get to fall in love with this industry that, quite frankly, I, I foresee in the next few years taking over Christmas? Um, and I and yes. I think when that happens, we have to be ready to to, to put on a great show. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not going to happen by all of us keeping all of our secrets in the closet. Like we got to get these out there. So so yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're thank you. I mean we're happy to. Um, you know, and our owners are awesome. I I pitched the idea to him and said, you know, you guys, we have a consultant that's selling us. We can make thousands of dollars off of just selling this thing, and <laughs> um, and and I know how much money we lost, so I'm I'm happy to give away for free. But we should probably charge even a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> no, like let's let's do it. Let's just give it away for free. And I think that's the cool stuff for Fear Factory that um, that I think will just you know it's just going to help. It's going to help mm-hmm. everybody. So so we appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the invite to come on, and uh, I'm happy to be part of the show and and hopefully spread some love and, and some insight. Um, it's always it's always cool to to do what I can. So yeah, we appreciate it. It'll probably take me you know two three two days to get the editing done, and so like Monday ish, uh, expect to see see it out, and I'll push it out, push a link to you so you can put it out your ways as well. Cool. Yeah, I'll probably see it on once you tag it as well. But yep. yeah, yeah, tag Absolutely. me, tag that, and then that way, I, there's a lot of people who I have no idea who they are in the world. Um, that, like, <laughs> um, God bless them. I'm like, uh, well, we have 55 mutual contacts, so you're probably not a Russian spy. You um, know, right? And so, but yeah, tag me and tag us, and then that way, it kind of residually is going to help get that out to some other folks too. Yeah, so. perfect. All right. Well, cool. appreciate you coming out. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, you all. It's great to great to hang out with you. Yeah, it was good yeah. meeting you. Thank you, you so much. Thank Thanks you. Again. And if you're ever if you're ever close to Utah or Salt Lake, by all means, you're 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 always welcome. Shoot me a message. Let me know. I there's nothing more fun than having haunters on property, and we'll do a quick walkthrough <laughs> and let you see the space. Even if oh we're my on god. Property, so. Yeah. As soon as COVID's done, we'll we'll make our way out there. Right. I know for <laughs> sure. Cool. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Well, that was fun. Want to do some wrap-up thoughts? That was good. I was I enjoyed that most of I, that was you know pretty unbridled positivity for the most part. Yeah, no kidding, right? Which is difficult at these times. <laughs> Here's the thing. 
You plan for sure. You make the plan. You implement the plan. And, oh, look, the world is not on fire. <laughs> Something that, you know, some people can't manage to grasp in this country right now. Yeah. They made a plan. They took extra time. They took, you know, no, knowing that they were going to lose out on a lot of cash. Right. They did their research. They reached out to all the proper authorities and then some. And then when they were told, you know, basically got the preliminary, uh, yeah, no, honey, that's not going to work. They went and then said, okay, put everything together, said, this is what we're doing. This is our standard of operating. Handed it out and everyone basically went, um, okay. No, you weren't kidding. Um, no, they... I can't even say that they did their due diligence because they went above and beyond doing their due diligence. Uh, yeah, they yeah, did. no kidding. Totally. And not only that, they're sharing it with anybody who wants it for free, which is just in this day and age, such a that you're yeah. working with. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you just don't see that very often anymore, and not even in the usual normal times, <laughs> let alone let alone in this where everyone needs the capital. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I love the way he said it, you know, we could sell this and um, recap some of the money that we are hemorrhaging this year. Right. And yet, but they still put it out for free. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. And I would, I love the opportunity to have them on and have Spencer on and to talk to us. Yeah. And I think that'll be good for a lot of our listeners to kind of take some of that and just evaluate and see if you know if again, they can go forward. This this plan is is absolutely designed for large scale, large budget professional <laughs> sure. um, operations. With that said, there is still a lot of valuable information that can be gleaned for smaller operations, home sure. haunts, or even just how do I keep my office clean? <laughs> <laughs> There's and I, and no I love, downside to reading it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I love the way he said the, an aquarium reached out and said, hey, it's we awesome. incorporated part of your plan, and now we're able to open too. It's like, that's that's freaking awesome. It right. doesn't have anything to do necessarily with haunted attractions. It is so... Haunted is Shark ri- Tank. Did well, you say Haunted was... Shark Tank? Yes, it is. Fair enough. It's so funny it's... because when he said that, <laughs> I was like, haunted aquarium? That's awesome. I would tol- <laughs> I would have Scooby-Doo so much episode. fun running a haunted aquarium or going to a haunted aquarium. I all of it. I would have a lot of fun. I was, okay, I so move he back here like and we'll pitch that to the Denver Aquarium and that, yeah, see if they'll let us. I would l- I would love to do it in the Denver Aquarium with hell the flash flood room already by uh-huh. itself. Still, st- like, that has traumatized my children. They still talk about it. <laughs> I love it. Maybe <laughs> next time you're home, we'll go we'll reach out to them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. How's that uh, discharge going? Uh, not so good. Vulnerable or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Noted. Uh, let's do a quick wrap-up uh, or a quick uh, summary of our social media plugs, and then I think we call this an episode. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at HauntingUniver1, which is at HauntingUniver1. Okay, what about Facebook? Yeah, you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash HauntingU, just the letter U. And if you want to follow what's happening with our home haunt this year, see pictures from the build progress, and that's where we'll be posting videos and such as we get into the haunt season, that's Facebook.com slash SCE Haunt, Sanguine Creek Estates, SCE Haunt. 
Oh, on Facebook. Quick, and go quick ahead. shout out. Quick shout out. Please. I wanted to oh! lead into. Thank you, John. You reminded yeah, me. Yeah, I just remembered. Um, so you can find us at uh, our podcast anywhere where you normally find your podcast. We're mostly on Podbean and iTunes, Apple Podcasts. On that front, we want to give a quick shout out. So we were looking at our numbers. So whoever our listener in Virginia is that binge listened to us, <laughs> thank you for that. We appreciate it. On May twenty or on June 29th, by the way, somebody binge listens, downloaded every one of our episodes. Thank you. Definitely Fantastic. made my day when I saw that. We hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it and keep coming back for more. I mean, for binge listening to us, that's awesome. But are, are you okay? We just want to make sure you're okay. <laughs> no, who, we'll whoever's it. listening to our all 26 of our episodes in a day. <laughs> 26 one-hour episodes in a 24-hour day. Well, they don't have to listen to them. They can just download them. That's true. They, they may have just downloaded them. It, it's hard God to say. God bless you. <laughs> but that's also you. a good point if you do like the podcast you like us uh, we'll take any feedback you have to make the podcast better and if you just want to keep getting our episodes go ahead and click that subscribe uh, excuse me that subscribe button on there so they're just automatically downloaded onto your phone perfect perfect what other what other shout out yeah so one last shout out uh i was hanging out in on facebook in the halloween yard haunts and props group and people were talking about what they're planning to do for halloween this year with covid and so naturally you know being who i am i was plugging the haunting you podcast and talking about how we're gonna do a drive-by haunt and go check out our page and we talk about this in episode 26 and then matt schultheis uh replied to my comment and said hey i'm currently listening to episode 26 so, Matt, <laughs> love it. Thanks for reaching out. Appreciate, thanks for being a listener. Uh, we wanted to give you a shout-out since you reached out to us. Uh, appreciate that you're listening. Please pass it along to all your friends. Let them know how much you're enjoying haunting you as well. Even if you're not enjoying, just lie. Tell them you're enjoying Absolutely. it and pass it along. And I think that's how we get our numbers up. That's we how lie. we get numbers, exactly. Lies. I did, like I said, <laughs> subscribe. Take your phone. Subscribe to the podcast. Take your friend's phone, your roommate's phone siblings anyone take their phone and just go ahead and subscribe to it it'll be a nice surprise for them exactly exactly and then they can listen to it whenever they want <laughs> and i'll see more days where our entire library gets downloaded which brings smiles to my face all right anybody, anybody else? else or smile to your faces mm. i mean our faces my face you do have several faces no comment uh so i think we call that a wrap so from everyone here at haunting you thanks for listening Stay safe and happy haunting. Say it, John. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you. Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash hauntingu with the letter U, or on Twitter using the handle at hauntinguniver1, that's haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. 
be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingyou.podbean.com. Is that like when you like roast pumpkin seeds and crush them up and snort them or something?